Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to go on a filmmaking adventure all over the world, and then we're going to talk about the worst qualities people can have. The big motivator is always to be exploring and to be um, in wild places, and you end up in these crazy places that you know humans typically would never be or shouldn't be probably, and you know, you know what the possible outcome could be. The possible outcome could be is that you could die. Have you lost friends or anything? I mean, have people died doing this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, I've probably lost 75 to 100 friends, you know, and just live those dreams and chase those dreams and become good at what you want to be good at rather than succumbing to the the formula that society pushes us into. There's going to be tens of thousands of people that just storm Area 51. Can't wait. Can't (laughs) wait. I've been known to... Uh, exaggerate the truth, but I, it's, it's not lying. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people, and there's like a free sample out at a Costco or a grocery <laughs> store, and everybody's lined up around this damn thing like they've never had food before. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So you know those those movies where you see somebody climbing Everest or crossing Antarctica or doing all these kind of really extreme action sports. I've always really liked those movies. They always hook me in. Recently, though, I started thinking about who's shooting this? Who's getting the video of these people doing these things? Our first guest is one of those adventure filmmakers He's been an adventure filmmaker for more than 20 years, and he has some really amazing stories about these different athletes that he's worked with, these different places that he's been. But also, I think it's really inspiring to hear him talk about having the courage to go out there and do what it is that you really want to do, even if that thing might be incredibly difficult and incredibly dangerous. This is Dirk Collins. What was it that really kind of got you started in this in this career path, so to speak? Was it adventure or was it photography that really got you going? Yeah, I was. You know, I kind of grew up. I grew up. I so I guess quickly, just a little background. I was raised in Alaska in a little uh, native village in western Alaska with uh, maybe a hundred people, and um, and that was a phenomenal um, kind of upbringing just as far as like living with and, and kind of getting to know indigenous cultures a little more and you know living off the land and, and that, was, that was a phenomenal kind of early childhood that kept me in the mountains and in the outdoors or started me there and then um and then i went to high school in um anchorage and 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 kind of grew up skiing and and so what kind of got me started on my path is skiing um and just skiing from you know an early age of two both nordic and alpine skiing and 
and then taking that into like, this is, you know, I want to continue to do this. And so, um, that turned into guiding, um, and, and working on ski patrol, you know, in my teens and then, um, and then kind of photography, my dad and my grandfather both, uh, loved photography. They weren't professionals at it, but they loved photography. And so there was always cameras around as a kid. And, um, and so I became fairly proficient at that. And then, and then kind of the skiing path and the photography path sort of collided at about the age of maybe 22 or something. And we started, uh, you know, myself and three other buddies started Teton Gravity Research and, um, you know, in film production. And, and that's really where it all began. And then we really kind of went down that path in an effort to facilitate the lifestyle of, of, you know, skiing first and traveling and, and then the photography and the filmmaking um, you know, supported that. And over time we got better and better at, at both, um, and kind of the professional side of some of the, the skiing and whatnot sort of faded away to being more of a professional. What was always though, the big motivator behind that? The big motivator is always to be exploring and to be, um, in wild places, um, and, and experiencing, um, and living, right. You know, living every day and being in the present and, 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 and this was just my tool to, to get me there. So the motivation behind pretty much everything I do is getting out and exploring and, and meeting new people and, and seeing, you know, the, the special places of this, of the world. Do you think that those special places are still as special as they used to be, or are they kind of coming into the modern world and losing some of that? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, we're losing, a, you know, constant right now. It's a, it's a pretty sad state in a lot of ways of just where, where the world is going and, and where we're going with wild and, and places. Um, and then with, with also with, you know, wildlife and, and, you know, the other creatures that, you know, occupy this planet with us, unfortunately. But at the same time, um, you know, there's some, a lot of people working hard and, trying to make a difference. And so I think you have to kind of be on that, that path. Like, what can I do to, to help with this? Um, and you know, how do we keep fighting to, you know, for conservation and, and for some, some hope to, to, you know, keep places wild. When you first started out, I mean, were you pretty, pretty good right from the get go or did you make a lot of mistakes in the beginning? Um, yeah, that's, well, the, that answer is there's a lot of mistakes, right? Um, yeah. Anything that <laughs> anything that I think that you start out as um, or start out doing and that you want to be good at is going to take time, and there's going to be mistakes made along the way. And if you're not making mistakes, then you're not you're not learning either, right? And so it's kind of like if you're not falling down or you're not you know getting kind of scuffed up with some of your sports then you're you're not progressing you're not getting better you're just kind of remaining the status quo you know to to get better at anything you need to get in the mix and you need to um get scuffed up and and make mistakes in order to get better and and gain experience and and then from there you you learn and adapt and um you know begin to master your craft if you're lucky how much of your life is kind of these really cool experiences and how much of it is, you know, cause we, for example, we talked with a national geographic photographer a couple of weeks ago and he was like, no, most of my life is actually spent writing grants. With is, Pete. Yeah. 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 
I, uh, listen, I listened to that actually. Um, when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, here's an interview with Pete. So I just went and I went and listened to that. And so, yeah, so he's right in, in a lot of ways. And so, uh, that's, that's the challenge, right? Is finding the balance between, between the two. How do I, you know, have enough work that I stay busy and then I'm doing the things I want to do. Um, and then also how do I, you know, kind of keep, keep outside and staying fit and then, you know, being in the field shooting and, and capturing and telling the stories that, you know, we, you, we, we or I really want to do. When you're looking at this, is there a lot of work that's available in this kind of avenue? Like, or do you have to really, are you turning down stuff or are you scrounging for stuff? It depends, right? And I think it depends on where, where your direction is and, 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 when, and how hungry you are to eat or how hungry you are to, <clears throat> to be in the field, right? If you, if you just want to pay the bills and a little more financially secure, then I think you can spend a lot of time in, in the office and really, you know, focus on building the business. And, and I've done that in, in past businesses and, and partnerships. And, and that's, that's a good way. But it, like I said, you kind of like, why am I doing this? Why am, why am I on this career path? And why am I trying to be a creative? And why am I trying to be a filmmaker? And, um, and if the answer is because you want to be out in the mountains or you want to be living this life of adventure and trying to tell stories that, that make a difference or sell a product or promote a brand or whatever that is, then, then you need to be doing that. And that may lead you down a path where, um, you know, you're, you're taking risks and, you know, financially and, and, you know, as well as kind of physically, um, things aren't quite as secure. Whereas if you just stay in the office and build the business and, and, uh, you know, have teams out there working for you, then, then you can keep things a lot more consistent. So I think it comes down to each person's kind of, you know, drive and commitment. And what project? Uh, what are you working on now? It's interesting. We're I'm working on a few different things right now. Well, I'm actually up in uh, in eastern Wyoming at the moment, working on a a project with the uh, Lakota Sioux um, around uh, Indian real play races um and kind of trying to tell a story we're doing we're actually just doing some research on this right now but trying to figure out you know where a story can go kind of between um this horse racing which is phenomenal um and kind of the story you know around um you know native cultures and um you know and the present state of, of where we are kind of in our country with them and trying to put a positive spin on that and you know, oh, I'll go shoot a car commercial, um, you know, this week as well because I need to, to eat dinner, um, et cetera. So you've been to the top of Everest. What's it like to stand up there? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because it's different. Um, it, it's different than, than other mountains. Like you can climb a lot of mountains and, and whatnot. And it's definitely different. Um, I think for a couple of reasons, I think part of it's that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the altitude's high. And so, you're in a little bit of a different mindset. Um, you know, things have a different color to them. You're, you know, there's definitely this crazy energy and high altitude and on any of the big peaks is it's definitely different than, than other, other mountains. I think in some ways it's a lot of the same, right? You're looking for solitude and, um, and, and, and challenge and, and it's just, it's a little different from the experience because, um, you know, you're, you're at these altitudes that are much higher. And so, your body's different. You're you're kind of dealing with internal struggles, um, you know, mentally and physically. Um, and then 
things have a different look and feel about them because you're high and so colors are different the sky is a different color oftentimes like um and you're kind of on the the edge in some ways and so you're trying to balance decision making um as always not just on big mountains but you're trying to balance this decision making with like how far can i go forward and still get back if i need to and um and not just getting so caught up in the goal that you uh lose sight of why you're actually there how do you even kind of shoot in those those kind of environments working in remote locations and and particularly cold locations a lot of times as well as dry and hot and you know wet and stormy and um at the tip of the you know the top of the world and the bottom of the world and you know everywhere in between is sort of what um you know i've specialized in and the the teams of, of, of folks that i work with specialize in and so there's not a ton of us out there that, that do that, but there are some, and, and it's, 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 you know, it's really, it's being an athlete yourself. Um, it's having a lot of experience working in difficult situations. And then it's having kind of this creative drive that where you want to kind of push through and tell stories no matter what the conditions are. Um, and it's, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus and, um, and some suffering along the way. And so, you know, the, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy, but you kind of put yourself in the climber standpoint, you know, from, for reference of this trip, you know, climbing Everest. So first and foremost, you become, you know, like I'm a climber. And then second, I've got this job on top of that, that, um, I need to, to capture and, and create, um, and, and develop the story. And so, uh, you, you kind of, you know, first of all, look for a team um, that, that can you can either work with or that can assist you in accomplishing that, and then you pull together the equipment that sort of fits into that model and mode of um, you know of the goal, uh, as, and then kind of you know also with with whatever budget you're working in, and then you kind of put yourself out there and and dive in and become you know become the the person that you're trying to tell the story about. Um, the only difference is that you're actually shooting and 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 taking photos and then you know trying to come up and and pay attention to the different storylines as well as um working with with your team or in some instances you know handling all the dit and you know whatnot at night you know on your on your own charging batteries dumping footage um you know and getting ready for the next day so and what's the kind of the the wildest situation you've gotten yourself into trying to get a shot oh there's uh that's a funny question and interesting and i think that 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 really changes over the course of of a career at least over the course of my career um and continues to evolve you know every year if not you know more often but i think you know from from early on um you know in my filmmaking career you know and and when when i was you know started teton gravity research we were really focused on um, you know, big ski lines and, and pioneering terrain um, that hadn't been skied in Alaska and you know, all over the world. And so we'd end up putting ourselves in some pretty crazy positions, um, you know, on mountains, you know, via a lot of times via helicopter, sometimes via um, climbing. And then and you end up in these crazy places that, you know, humans typically would never be or shouldn't be probably. And, um, and then that kind of moves on and as things you know change and develop, and and you might you know my focus has has evolved. Um, you know you end up you know on a on a on a boat sailing from 
Cape Town, um, South Africa to East Antarctica, and then back across to Perth and, you know, 60 days across the Southern Ocean twice and, um, you know, on a project with, you know, uh, another buddy of mine, Mike Horn. And, and so you end up in, you know, situations that are just as dangerous and, and just as unforgiving. Um, and just as, you know, maybe probably more remote. That's, that's probably the most remote place on the world, in the, on the planet you can find these days. And so, and now with Lakota Sioux, like totally different situations, um, some more dangerous than others and, and, uh, but all of them challenging. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like, wow, we shouldn't be here? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. You, you kind of slide into those things knowing, to some extent, like, hey, this is this is the challenge I'm going into, and and these are the dangers that I'm I'm facing. And you know, as as things start to evolve, like, you know, you know what the possible outcome could be. The possible outcome could be is that you could die, um, and so you do everything you can to manage that risk and and balance the the risk aspects around that on a you know day to day, hour to hour, minute by minute basis. And if you're doing that, then then you shouldn't be completely surprised or shocked by what happens. Have you lost friends or anything? I mean, have people died doing this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, so over the course of, you know, the time that I've been in, in this, you know, on this path, um, I've probably lost 75 to 100 friends, you know, in, in 30 years or something like that, you know, since I was you know, pretty young participating and then moving through filmmaking and photography and, you know, exploration. And so that's a lot of people to, to lose and a lot of friends to, um, and acquaintances to kind of, um, say goodbye to. And so it, it definitely, um, I have a totally different outlook on life and death than, than some people, I think, um, and the way I deal with it and, and, you know, others around me and whether they're athletes or, you know, filmmakers or guides or whatever, you know, we all kind of have a, a little bit of a different take on it because we're, we're around those situations a lot. Um, I, I can say that I've never seen a fatality and we've had, you know, injuries, but typically not, you know, crazy debilitating injuries with on a shoot. So no one's ever died on a project I've worked on. Um, and, and usually we're in and out of there pretty cleanly um people do get hurt and uh but we always have plans in place to to you know deal with with those situations and so for somebody sitting in their living room i mean that seems like an unbelievable number is it generally and i know how hard it is to speak generally but is it is it because people make mistakes and mistakes happen or is it just because you're in this environment and things happen in these kind of environments i think it's a, a few things in my case is that um, I cross over and work in a lot of different spaces and a lot of different sports, and I have a lot of different friends um, across those. And then, and then you take that and put that in environments, you know, around the world, and and where people are pushing the limits of human capabilities as well as you know the the sports they're involved in, and, and you start to put all that together, and, and people are gonna gonna die. But at the same time, we're all doing things that we we love. It wasn't like oh, he got you know killed crossing the street or, you know, some unfortunate accident and he was actually doing what he wanted to do and he knew what he was doing and it was calculated and, and so on. And so I think looking at it from that standpoint, 
um, it's a little different than just sitting in your, your you know, being home and, um, and, and kind of reflecting on it as a person who wouldn't be involved in the activities directly or in the lifestyle that we live in. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely rough and it's tough seeing and losing people, but at the same time, it's phenomenal, um, you know, living in the moment and living and working with people that are present and are, uh, you know, pushing themselves and pushing their sports and pushing human capabilities and loving what they do. From what I saw on, on your website, you work a lot with some of the biggest athletes in those kind of adventure sports. Is, is there something that they have in common? Um, yeah, for sure. I think they all have in common a passion to live their life and pursue, you know, pursue that, that passion and, and to pursue living their life on a, on a day-to-day basis. This is chosen that they're doing that through these, these sports. And so there's this energy that they all have and this excitement and this want or need to be out there, um, you know, not only doing the sport, but, but living and, and, and being involved in a space where you're part of the environment and you're sharing, um, this experience that's, that's, uh, pretty big. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of drive. There's a lot of, um, enthusiasm and there's a lot of, uh, camaraderie and, and that's, that's constant across everything we do. We've talked a lot about kind of living in the moment. Can you do that outside of these kind of things? Or is it this the way that you pursue that? Like how do how could somebody listening to this live in the moment without having to, you know, climb K two necessarily? Right, right. No, I think I think that then to me living in the moment is really means um you know, pursuing pursuing your own dreams and pursuing your passions and, and I don't think that that definitely is not relegated to, you know, these risk um risky sports and risky expeditions. I think you can you know, whatever your passion is, if that's science or, or education or whatever, just live those dreams and chase those dreams and become good at what you want to be good at rather than succumbing to the, the formula that society pushes us into, um, which, which is kind of this, you know, get a job, you know, you know, be safe, build a retirement, you know, have security and, instead of like actually doing something you believe in and trying to make a difference or trying to live in a way um, where you're, you know, pursuing something that you believe in. It's, it's hard to, to say it's a, a job if you're, you know, if you're loving what you're doing every day. You're still working your ass off and you're still out there trying to get it done, but you love what you're doing rather than going every day and sitting in the cubicle and doing something that, that you don't have any interest in and you're just trying to get a paycheck. Um, Coolest athlete you've ever worked with? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I don't think there is a coolest athlete I've ever worked with. I've got different athletes in different sports that I um, have worked with that are you know, phenomenal in, in, in that specific genre or that specific kind of athletic endeavor. I think um, it's more, of, again, it's this attitude um, of having the drive and the motivation to be the best in the world. You've obviously been a lot of places. What's your, what do you think is the, in terms of a place that everybody should see, the most beautiful place? What's, what's your number one? There's so many as, as far as like specific locations go. I think I'm continually blown away by what's in my backyard. Um, and my backyard's big, right? Like it's not, 
or a couple miles or whatever. There's a radius around my backyard that may be a little bigger than some people's, but it's just what's in your, you know, what, what can you do from your house in, in, you know, a couple of days to me always blows my mind. Um, like for example, right now I'm in you know, Eastern Wyoming and uh, it's, it's beautiful out here. I, I stumbled across this Canyon the other day that's, just a few hours from my house and it's 900 feet deep and it looks like the grand canyon and it's like where where how did i miss this for for a little while so i think it's just being willing to get out there and explore and and not thinking that oh i have to go to the other side of the world to have an adventure the adventure you know is in it's in the park you know down the street it's it's in the in the hills behind you know behind town you don't have to always go to the other side of the world to find these phenomenal places um it's just more about the mindset and just the, you know, having the desire um, and the motivation to make the time to, to get out and, 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 and be present. What do you got coming up, man? What's next for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, we're trying to figure out where we're going with, with this project that we're doing research on right now, which I think could be a really amazing story. Um, I've got a North Pole project we're trying to pull off this, this fall with, with Mike Horn, who I was in Antarctica with a couple of years ago. The projects and, and kind of the that I'm working on, are there's you've kind of got to have a few of them going at once because they always experience delays and setbacks. And so one might be moving forward and then it gets jammed up or stops. And so, okay, where's this one going? And, and at the same time, you put another one on the shelf because it had no interest. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone calls from you know a couple of years ago and was like hey it's the right time for us to pick this up again and and so it's it's a moving target it's always a moving target and I want to thank Dirk so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you get a chance, check out his Instagram. It's really amazing to see all of the different techniques that he uses and all of the pictures of the different places that he's been. You can find that information, like I just mentioned, on our social media accounts, but also on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And I'm just gonna try I'm just gonna try and see if I can get him going about something. Good evening. You wanna explain yourself? Uh what did I do now? You know what you did. Uh, I'm, no, you're gonna have to be a little more specific on that one. Okay, it was on a Thursday. What do you think you'd messed up on a Thursday? There's so many things on a Thursday. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Can, can you be more specific? No, just give me a good idea of what you've screwed up this week. Just in it doesn't have to be specifically to any one thing. Just in general, what did you mess up this week? Well, just by getting out of bed, usually I ruin my wife's day. So there's that. Okay, give me two more. You should list your three, and then I'll, I'll come up with two. I don't. I didn't didn't really do anything this week, honestly. Yeah, I don't think I messed up really anything. No, I was just trying to see if you could, if you, if I could convince you into it. Because this is always something that I've thought. Like if, if someday I got pulled over, and the and the officer was like, "You just, you just robbed that bank back there." I don't know if I could say with one hundred percent certainty that I that I would that I didn't. Like I think you could talk me into that I robbed the bank. I mean, why stop for the police, right? You might as well have a little fun and just, just go out in a blaze of glory. What, what did you do this week to try and improve yourself? You know, this week was actually a uh, – it was not a very good week at all, to be honest, in terms of that. 
didn't really do anything to improve myself. Um, I think I improved others around me, but myself, I'm not really entirely sure that I did anything. How did you improve? improve How did you improve other people? Uh, you know, well, it was it was a good week at work. Personally, we uh, my daughter is no longer in a uh, a little kid car seat like the infant ones. I don't see Got how some... you contributed to that in any way. I mean, you didn't do anything. I, I had to install the car seat. That's just basic I had to go parental. Buy the car seat, and then I had to install it. That's just basic parental responsibility. You shouldn't be proud of that. I am proud of it. It is kind of hard to install a, a car seat. I'll give you that. I mean, we're talking, these are like, I mean, you know how it is. This is like the full front, like, up to 120 pounds booster seat. This thing, you could strap my kid in and send her to NASA, or send her to space, and she'd be all right. How many people do you think think that NASA is actually in space right now? Like, they've got a tower <laughs> up there. That's where That's where people work. I mean, probably a good 10% of Americans. It, that actually makes me. I, what? How do you? What are your opinions on this whole Area Fifty One idea, where there's going to be tens of thousands of people that just storm Area Fifty One? Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. One, would you do it? And two, do you think there's going to be any resistance from a quote-unquote dark force? What do you mean a quote-unquote dark horse? I don't know no, what you force. Force like a. Like the like I, Star I Wars, they, like Vader's coming back. What are you talking about? No, like the I, I forget they have a specific name, but they're like the the government agents that protect the grounds of Area Fifty One. They have some cool nickname, and well, I just call them Dark Force because I couldn't remember the actual name. Oh, okay. So you just made that whole thing up and expected people to believe you. That's fine. <laughs> um, number one, I would not be there, but I would certainly watch it. Like, I would get some popcorn. I would take the day off work to watch people storm Area 51. <laughs> because I feel like the people who are who are actively storming Area 51, they're probably not going to give up real easily. You know? <laughs> you're, if you're going to do that, you're going to go big or go home. But I don't know what you do once you get to, like, hey, how are you going to get over this? That's the thing. That's the amazing thing I think about of anything, any kind of government, anything like that, right? Like, ultimately, if there's just a ton of people, what are you going to do? Are you going to shoot them all? <laughs> you can't do that. I don't think they're going to find anything, though. That's that's the thing, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was actually someone that posted this on Twitter. Uh, uh, Did you steal this idea week? from somebody else? No, 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 no. I mean, this story's been out there, but someone posted on Twitter that, uh, you know, these people have a better chance of finding weapons of mass destruction than they do, you know, any other kind of life forms. I just feel like that would be, let's just say that that would be, it would be a thing that would be be too hard to, too hard to keep secret, right? Like, none of those people have families. They would never mention, oh, by the way, talk to an alien today to their wife. And there, and like none of that would ever leak out. There's just such a massive amount of secrecy that nobody would find out. Truth be told, I mean, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's the the workforce there has been scaled back tremendously just in like the last 20 years. I mean, who knows? Maybe in the 60s and 70s and 80s, when it wasn't so easy to get information out, uh, maybe there was stuff there. I, I have no idea. I mean, I I don't think there was, but. It wouldn't surprise me if at one point maybe they had something there that was weird or, 
you know, rare, but I, I don't, when I mean, you're talking to a guy who questions dinosaurs, you think that I believe in aliens? That's a good question. Do you? No, I'm, I wouldn't say I believe in aliens. I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not ruling out that I don't believe in some kind of other life force. Well, what else? Would they, else what do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa. Other life force. Like, what do you mean other life force? Well, I mean, you know, we've kind of mentioned it in the past. Uh, you know, I'm, the, the galaxies and the, the universe is so big. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying maybe there could be like an Earth, like an Earth 2 somewhere where there's other humans. Or maybe, you know, there's alien planets. But in terms of like what we think an alien is, I don't think there's like, you know, a little green thing with, you know, two big black eyes just hanging out at Area 51. See, that's what I don't understand about your thought process, right? Like, you don't believe in dinosaurs or the possibility of alien life, but you do believe in extra-dimensional, multiverse alien life. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, you just skip over the most basic things, don't believe that, and go straight to kind of the, the, the extreme theory. You know, I, I, got, I got nothing for you. It's, it's my weird-ass brain. And I, I need I need to retract a little bit on my dinosaur statement. It's it's not it's not that I don't believe that they may have existed. I just you know I, I need like evidential proof. I you know like myself like I like need fossils. To bring, I need someone to bring me like a Stegosaurus fossil to my house with a bag of shit. Uh, you know which our last episode covered great, um, and I can study that, and then I can look at the fossils, and I can you know. Just have a great day. You could go to a museum. They have all that right there. You've never been to a museum? I have, but I also have thoughts on museums as well. But well, well that's, that's no. another... Let's, let's hear this. What's your thought on museums? I just... I always wonder if things in the museums are the actual artifacts. Okay. I, I understand what you're saying. I do think that sometimes maybe they have... Like the real thing is actually inside of the museum, like in a vault somewhere, and maybe they have a replica that's on display for people, but that doesn't mean that the thing itself isn't real, right? It's just like, that's not the particular version of it. Like, let me tell you a story about when little John was really upset, okay, regarding to going to a museum. We have a a uh, really good museum here called Henry Ford, the Henry Ford Museum. They have cars and trains and all this other stuff. They had what they were advertising uh, to be the original Weenie Mobile. <laughs> okay, I'm probably like seven or eight. You know, love hot dogs. Who doesn't love hot dogs? Grow up watching this thing on commercials. I get there, and you know they let you get in it. Blah blah blah. I'm all excited. I'm like talking to the attendant. The attendant, you know, like whispers to me, leans over to me, and he's like, "I, I don't want to burst your bubble, kid, but this actually isn't even the real one." There's like 500 of these replicas that the company built uh, as a sham. The real one's like somewhere in like St. Louis, Missouri. How do you know that guy wasn't just messing with you? Like he could have ruined your life. Also, let's not forget and leave alone the fact that mainly your educational experience as a child was to go see the Wienermobile at a museum. <laughs> they, they had trains and Model Ts and... <laughs> Yeah, they but, they, they, but did they you, claim to have the you know the car that Kennedy was shot in, which I ended up being a replica. But did you go to the museum before that, or is this your first trip to the museum specifically to see the Wienermobile? <laughs> Listen, I was like seven or eight, and answer I was the going question. Anyways, I was going anyways, but I was excited 
to see the Wienermobile. So you didn't answer the question. Was this your first trip to the museum? Anyone, anyone ever tell you you'd be a great debate moderator? Just yeah, why can't you answer the question? <laughs> uh, I believe yes, it probably was my first trip to a museum. I would think. So your first trip to a museum was to go see the Wienermobile. Thank you for finally getting to the truth of the matter. <laughs> It's funny you would say that because our, our top five a little bit later on, uh, we you know we're talking qualities, yeah. people, and uh, and I, I think I might have just touched on a couple of them that I just committed. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> the thing at the end of this. At the end of this, so our, our we're not going to do it yet. But our top five is top five qualities in people that you dislike the most like the top five worst qualities a person can have and after that we'll then look at how many of those qualities we have which is probably (laughs) pretty high on that list let me ask you this question because i think our guest talked about this a little bit if you knew somebody or saw somebody who was who was killed or seriously injured doing something would you then not do that thing uh, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I would not give it up. No, I, I would keep doing it. Um, I mean, I, I say that from never having, having, uh, gone through that with someone that you love, you know, dying or, or whatnot, or like a close friend, but I would think that I would continue doing it. For people who may have skipped ahead, our guest is Dirk Collins. He's an adventure filmmaker. And one of the things that he said that I just found unbelievable was that he's probably had 75 to a hundred people that he's known die doing what he does but he keeps doing it like i don't i don't know if i could do that you know i i always wonder and uh you know it's a great guest um there was a there was a documentary that just came out i think it was called free fall last year free solo or free solo and how bad I is that, that that i don't even know you, like i don't even know what you're going to be talking about but i already know that you're wrong well, you i'm not wrong because i'm not i'm not giving i'm not really giving a fact i'm giving an opinion well, you got the name of the movie wrong. But that's why you're there to pick me up, my little buddy teammate. And I wasn't technically all that wrong. Anyways. Well, yeah, you were. There was two. There's two words in the title of the movie. You got. You're so angry. You why got you one so of them wrong. The you're fifty percent correct. I'm just looking for a little factual accuracy. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, is that I believe that that documentary, in terms of like that extreme sports climbing things like that really shed the, shed the light on how serious and dangerous those jobs are, but it's a passion. So I think if you have a passion for something like that, you understand the risk going in and it doesn't deter you when tragedy strikes. See, but I, I agree with you. I understand that sentiment, but I would think that for me personally, once it passed 20, I would probably go ahead and be like, mm, I don't know if I want to continue to do this. Like I like riding a motorcycle, but if I saw five to ten people die who I was riding alongside, I would probably stop. See, so, and, and that's interesting that you, you say that. I, I work with a person who's had, he's a motorcyclist as well, he's part of a biker gang. He's had three or four people that he knows die, uh, either on rides with him or a couple that weren't with him. But he, he like, uses that as, like, a, you know, now I'm going to ride in, in remembrance of them. I can see that a little bit. Do you have a, what's your music that you've been promising us? Let's hear it. So my band didn't show up this week. Uh, we're having some technical issues, um, which we'll work on for next episode. Okay, so I, I doubt that. I guess you're getting the homemade uh, homemade intro again. Okay, but but don't use your hands at all. All right, all right. 
uh, you're going to have to give me 20 seconds, but I'll come up with something here. No, and you got to keep the phone, so we got to be able to hear it. So let's let's go. All right, fine. Here we go. Here we go. Was that good? I used my head and my feet. <laughs> I was wondering. I was the whole time. I was thinking, please use your head. Please use your head. <laughs> What'd you bang your head on? Uh, a table in the beginning was my foot on a toolbox and then on the side of my elliptical machine. So it's, you know, getting use out of it. Nice, nice. <laughs> Good work. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> All right, so uh, so for those who don't know, I, uh, I usually start off asking Nick three things that he can't give me any back talk to. He just has to answer. Uh, <laughs> so let's start off with uh, it's the summertime, obviously, so you have to pick one to wear. Jean shorts or a cutoff T-shirt? Oh, shit. How old am I? Current age? Yeah, current age. Oh, I got to go cut off t-shirt then. Jean shorts is just not. You can't wear jorts. You just can't. Unless you're doing it ironically, there is no acceptable reason for a straight man to be wearing jorts. There just is not. There is not, and there never will be. There's just not. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you an assignment this week. I want you to... Realize how many people around you wear cut-off T-shirts, and we need to have a discussion next week. Because I am seeing an absurdly large amount of people wearing cut-off T-shirts where I live. See, I think the age the age limit is eighteen, right? You can wear a cut-off T-shirt until no, maybe maybe you can wear it your first year of college. I think you can get away with a cut-off T-shirt, but after that, you really can't do it anymore, right? You can't wear cut-off T-shirts. I mean, if you have the arms and you want to show it, whatever. Go for it. You you know you probably earned that right. Then get a tank but, top. Sure, right. I mean, get a tank top then. But if you want to wear the cutoff t shirt, that's fine. It's the people that you can tell they're 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 trying to wear for another objective that uh, you know just drives me nuts. Um, anyways, moving on. You do seem uh, to have a lot of anger directed at people's fashion choices, where they seem to be showing off what they got lately. Is there something you want to tell us? Uh, no, no. I can tell you, though, that I didn't start my diet this week, so I failed again at that. So. Nice. Good work. Good work. Uh, all right, moving on. Um, so football, uh, pro football, officially started once again this week as players reported for camp. So simple question, are you more excited about pro football or college football? Pro football. I don't really have a college team that I care about. Look, if there's a good college game, I'd rather go in person to a good college game. But pro football is just more interesting to me. I think college sports, in a way, are kind of a sham. But anyways, that's a whole different uh, discussion. Yep. Uh, lastly, uh, say, say you're, you have to pick one to eat, uh, a caramel apple or a chocolate banana. Oh, caramel. Oh, chocolate banana. Caramel apple, actually, when you think about it, is pretty disgusting. Uh, how? It's just caramel. It's just an apple covered Yeah, but it's too, it's too sticky, man. Once you get in there, it's like... <laughs> You're going to regret eating that. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that caramel apple, in terms to deliciousness to wish I hadn't have eaten that ratio, is pretty high up there. Like, oh, that was good. I wish I wouldn't have eaten that. I, I thought this was interesting that you posted on Twitter was, uh, and I don't know how you expect the people to do the math, but how many sandwiches you, you think you eat in your lifetime? The winner uh, with 38% was 1,000 to 5,000, which I think is like kind of the generic thought maybe yeah i think that's a pretty i mean i would say most people probably go with that it's really shocking to me just in the sense of like how many times you have probably done something in your life 
Like I did the math. I've probably eaten around 9,000 sandwiches. That's just insane to me. Like uh, Something that you've done so many times. I mean, I can only imagine what the number is for how many times you've masturbated. That's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want, we can keep count and, and next episode we can, you know, reveal our findings being the triple digits already (laughs) how many times do you Um, how many times do you think you've done that in my life you think that you've had in the last 10 years do you think that you've had more sandwiches or more solo pleasure rides oh man i mean not that i want to reveal this but i might as well i'm pretty sure that it's more solo rides for every single person I, i i would in a 10-year span as an adult, I think you would be hard-pressed to find one person that has had more sandwiches than solo pleasure rides. And if there is somebody out there that listens to this podcast, let us know because I, I would love to interview you because I don't believe you at all. Yeah, that's – I mean let's assume that you have – I mean at five sandwiches a week, I bet most <laughs> people, especially men, probably going to do that more than five times. So there's a really oh, I mean, good chance pr- – probably double dipping and then if you're single you're at least three to five times a day i mean you know it's just just being a human anyways um you went three to wow another good poll that how are you not like i would just think that'd be wrong what's the most what's the highest number everybody's talked about this and asked a friend about this like the most times you've done it in a day what's the highest number that no, I, you've ever I, I heard. Don't want to reveal that. Let's no, not you, here. but that you have ever heard. Like the most you've ever oh. heard somebody do it. I actually, when I was living in Orlando, someone that we used to work with, who I will remain uh, will remain nameless, uh, told me that that they once topped out at near twenty times in a day. How is that even possible? It's not possible. But if you think about it, it is possible. But I really don't think it is possible. What are you doing? You got to be on some kind of medication or something like that to go twenty times in one day. Yeah, that's that's just dust coming out eventually. I would think you don't even have the reserves to physically accomplish that. Let alone, I mean, the friction alone. <laughs> it's just gonna hurt after a while. I feel like if you push past three, getting after it, like whoa, that's a lot. That's just. All I right, mean, who I- has that much time? Let, let's move on here. Um, another good Facebook poll I thought we had this week was uh, the question, does uh, taking a swim in the summer in a pool, obviously, count as taking a shower? That's a great question. That's the one that I got mad at you that, that about that you had a great question. It's a really good one, and you blew it with the timing of it. I think that <laughs> it depends on the pool a little bit. Like I used to do a lot of pool showers. When I was in high school, I was like, oh, I could take a shower. I could just jump in the pool and get out and call it a day. If you're talking a private pool, I think that's fine. But if you're going in a public pool, mm-hmm. Let me, uh, let me, let me ask you this because, I mean, we're kind of on the topic. Yes, I were have. You ever, were you ever in the pool, uh, in, in a pool where, uh, un- unknown to anyone, they have that dye in the water or that chlorine that when someone pees, it turns blue? Let me ask you this question. This is going to be a trap question. Have you been? I have been, yes. Well, no, because I was a lifeguard. That chemical doesn't actually exist. Oh, it doesn't? No. Oh, all right. Well, maybe maybe it was the yellow-greenish of the pee then. I you, don't know. That I could see. Like, if you went... I Look, I can't tell you how many, as a former lifeguard, I can't tell you how many warm spots I've suddenly gone through. That's just a, <laughs> That's just an occupational hazard. 
Like you go through a warm I spot. I didn't know you were a lifeguard. I also didn't know that the 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 like the chemical reaction wasn't true. No, everybody always talked about that and was always I think it was just a thing put out there to scare people, but never did I ever work at a pool that actually had something like that or had ever heard of it. I don't think it's true. Because if you think yeah. about that, right? You get that 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 you would never be able to swim in that pool. Right? You would never be able to swim in it because everybody pees in the pool all the time. So having that chemical that turns it You'd be closed every day. Well, then poor Ryan Parker, man. We he never swam again after we told him he was peeing blue. So <laughs> poor Ryan poor Parker. Guy. Um, uh, are you done? Are you ready for our top five, or what are you doing? Hold on, a couple more shout outs here, then we'll end. Okay, That's well, if this is a different um, segment, then have different music. And this time, I want you to only you have to go left, left foot, right hand. All right, I think I can do that. All right, let's let's do this. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Anyways, first off, we need to give a huge shout out to our guest from last week, Daniel McDonald. Fantastic episode. If you haven't checked it out, um, guess I really don't know what else to say. I think it's he was probably one of our most riveting guests. That I had no idea that poop could mean so much. But no, it, I, I was absolutely amazed at how much um, you can learn from studying people's poop. If if you haven't heard that episode, it's um, Daniel McDonald of the American Gut Project. It actually is incredibly fascinating what you learn from poop. And you can send him your poop if you would like to, and he'll study it and tell you all about it. <laughs> Kudos to you for getting him. That was a, that was a great get. He was interesting as hell. Um, lots of different comments from different people on that, from uh, from Alice to, I, to, uh, to Dorothy to uh, a different Nick, the uh, UC San Diego School of Medicine chipped in, uh, getting a hold of us on social media. Just a, a good all-around discussion about uh, about shit, which I never thought uh, we would ever do. So, um, so yeah, keep them coming. Facebook, Instagram, our uh, you know uh, Twitter, our official unofficial sponsor, Long John Silver's and Gold's Gym. <laughs> you know, get at them, let them know. Yeah, Gold's Gym, baby. It's two places we <laughs> go it, a lot. Is it is it time for us to uh, to to say our, our top five worst qualities and then realize that we are those people? Yeah, pretty much. I when I went through it, I was like, I do that, I do that. <laughs> okay, what's so to get into it? Our top five is top five worst qualities that people can have. What's your number five? Uh, I have in people who feel entitled. Okay. I thought about so, that. It was it was it was close for me, but it, it didn't didn't raise up to that certain certain level. Why does that bother you so much? So I mean, it, it's on a personal level, and you know, I I come from a pretty poor area. Didn't have a lot of money growing up, um, and Metro Detroit is kind of almost divided in a certain way. But uh, you know, there's a huge rich section, and there's like maybe ten percent middle class, and there's you know the poor. And, you know, schools were the same way with kids. And a lot of times you would see kids rolling up with $200 sneakers, uh, you know, things like that, you know, brand new football cleats, you know, and, and it, the attitude went along with the, with the new products, so to speak. So I just grew up always kind of not appreciating people who felt entitled, you know, to, to things like that just because they were born into it or grew up in it or, you know, things like that. 
So my number five isn't a great one, but to me, it's just it's it just ruins the whole person. So I felt like I had to put it on there. It's somebody with an annoying laugh. Have you ever ended a friendship or or, or just like cut somebody out of your life if you can? Because their laugh is just so annoying. No, because I wouldn't ever involve that person in my life in the first place. Like, I wouldn't ever get to that point where I had to cut them out because of it. Because it wouldn't ever start. Now, you, you know, if, if I had put that on my list, you would ask me to give an example. So I kind of want you to give me an example, but I know you're not going to. See, I don't know how to respond to that. Because <laughs> no matter what I do, you've kind of trapped me there. So I'm just going to move on to number four. What's your number four? Uh, people who are close-minded. Okay. I had that as number two. I feel like that, that should be a little bit higher because it's hard to deal with anybody that's close-minded, right? Like you can't do anything with that person. You can't have a conversation with them. You can't go try to do new things. Right. And I, I I know we try to stay away from politics on this show, but I, 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 I wrote it down on my shitty notepad here that that that's one of the main things. Is like people are just close-minded about change or or the political layout of things. Like it's it's just the worst, especially when they're like good people and they just like won't see any, you know, they won't even look at any other picture other than the one that you know they think is best. Well, and I think that look, like we'll stay out of the politics of it, but I think that no matter what side that you're on, I think that everybody can agree that that has increased. That seems to have been more prevalent. Like the the annoyance of it of people who are like that on both sides, that seems to have gotten worse over the last couple of years. Give me that annoying laugh now. No, you have to give me the annoying laugh. I don't have any examples at all. You asked me to ask you. It was your number five. I'm not the one who asked you to do it. You asked me. You you can't turn it around on me, so I'm going to pull a nick and I'm going to say, Moving on, what's your number four? You're the one who asked me. You wanted me to ask you to do an example of annoying laugh. And then when I asked you, you said that you couldn't do it. And then no, I was no, supposed no, I, to do it. All I said was I'm going to pull a nick. And if that was me that had that as my number five, you would have asked me to give an example. So I asked you to give an example and you moved on. What's your number three? What's your number four? Oh, wasn't that? Oh. <laughs> People who have no self-awareness, somebody just with just absolutely clueless, you know, like they'll do something and then get mad at somebody else for doing the exact same thing that they do. That drives the shit out of me in annoyance terms. So let, let me ask you this. So I've, I, I've been accused of, of not having the best self-awareness when I'm inebriated. Does that count? No, not really. I mean, I feel like that's almost endearing. Um, oh, well, thank you. On someone else, um, no. But I don't. I don't. You lack maybe a little bit of self awareness, but it's more like kind of kind of dummy self awareness. It's not annoying self awareness. I mean, I do this podcast for God's sakes. Talk <laughs> about wrong decisions. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Okay, what's your number three? Uh, I have people who are hypocritical. Okay, I thought about that a lot. I didn't. I didn't put it on there though. I could. It didn't raise to that level for me. I'm. I'm just not a fan. And once again, I don't think I do it. I'm pretty sure I don't do it. But I'm not a fan of people who, you know, will sit there and ridicule somebody or put somebody down. Uh, you know, and then turn around and then you know, it could be a day, it could be an hour, it could be three months later. They're doing that activity or they're, you know, now friends with that person. Or, you know, it's just 
you know, there's no need to present a fake you, you know, to project something that you don't believe to hide something, you know, to put somebody else down and just never appreciated that about a person. Um, I feel like you're getting a little emotional about these. <laughs> I know? know. I just halfway through <laughs> that, I was like, damn, I sound like I'm really upset about something. Yeah, you do. I mean, you've been going off. <laughs> I wasn't listening, but I just What's heard your it. Number three, people who are lazy. That's that's fair. I mean, no, you're talking about like perennial lazy people, right? Like not. Yeah, because we're all a like, little bit lazy. I mean, you know, everybody's yeah. got some laziness, but people who are just, especially laziness, where like this could have been something more, and you just you just you just didn't do it. Like that kind of laziness pisses me off. I don't mind the lay on your couch all day laziness if that's what you want to do. But when you had an opportunity and then you just be, you blow it because you're too lazy, that that annoys me. What's your number two? My number two are, uh, and that's pretty generic, but uh, people who are selfish. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much self-explanatory. I won't get emotional on this one, but you know, I uh, selfishness is okay, I think, to a certain degree, like on a personal level. But you can't be that way, like in life. Like you can't. You know, it's fine if you want to like say, hey, I need two hours to myself for whatever reason or, you know, but, you know, people who are selfish and only look out for themselves and could care less about anyone or anything around them. Now, that's not that's not going to work. I thought you weren't going to get emotional. (laughs) I know. I'm giving like little little, uh, you know, little examples of every every number here. What happened to you growing up? Uh, You know, maybe we should have an episode where we interview our fathers. That won't go well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you already said your number two, right? Yeah, my number two is closed minded, so I can give me your number two. Give me your yeah, give me your two. I just gave you my number two. Oh, I wasn't paying attention at all. How selfish of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my number one, uh, I mean, it should be universal. Is uh, you know people who who lie. Yeah, that's so. My number one is I. I I'm going to give that it's a three-way tie technically, but I feel like they're basically all the same thing. My number one is is lying, untrustworthy, and unreliable. I feel like that's really all the same thing, though. Uh, I mean, I I think being unreliable is kind of its own, but, you know, I'll I'll give it to you. I just – I've been known to uh, exaggerate the truth, but it's not lying. What I mean is like people who are – Especially the people who tell a lie, but they've made themselves believe the lie. So to them, it's reality. Oh, I do that. You? No, do you? I don't think you do. I don't know. I'm not even sure, to be honest with you. I mean, that could have been a lie right there. <laughs> maybe. Maybe everything I've told you, our entire uh, friendship or whatever it could you want to call it, could be a whole lie. You know, I don't think – I am generally pretty honest with people. I would say about 90 to 95% of the time. I'm pretty honest, but when I do lie, I will convince myself that that's the truth, and I have no problem with it. I mean, I'm anyone will tell you that I I'm a like wear your heart on the sleeve kind of person. I if if I try to lie, you can you can see it a million miles away. So I don't I try. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't lie. I don't think. I mean, I just man, there's nothing that I hate more than. Than someone who lies, and then they, like I said, they believe it. Like it's just, you know, it's you tough. create the issue. Stop trying to believe the issue. You know, when it's a lie, it just makes no sense to me. Anyways, I'm ranting again. I'm sorry. Do you have tissues? 
Are you gonna? Do you gonna go outside <laughs> and take a walk after this? <laughs> uh, can, can we just end it so I can go grab one? I'm, I am getting getting kind of emotional. What's in your honorable mention? Uh, so I, I had unreliable. Uh, I also had, and I wanted to put this one on my top five, but I didn't think it was strong enough. Was uh, people who are always late. I just assume um, that people are going to be late, so I, that doesn't bother me very much. And then this is this isn't like a top five, but it's it would be like my number one or two if we were doing like a straight like little nag list. And it's uh, you know like people who who like eat like they're not humans, like people who chew with their mouth wide open or like breathe oh. heavy when they. When they eat, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily a quality. I th- it is a quality, but I don't know if it's considered like, you know, what what we're referring to. But I, I can't stand – and once again, I understand you have some kind of medical condition that requires you to have to eat differently. But it's the people who like do it on purpose what kind of medical? you off. What kind of medical condition would someone have where they can't eat? Well, no, I, I, I'm, I mean like maybe, maybe someone's on a – you know, like on an oxygen tank or something, you know. And like they, Why would they, you they have to – why would you even have to qualify that? Like everybody gives that person a free pass. I don't see why you had to put it out there. Like, okay. oh, that – oh, by the way, if you're handicapped and can't get out of bed, it's okay if you don't show up for gym class. Like everybody knows that. I don't know. see why you have to say it. Listen, what, what what's your honorable mention? Well, probably that right there. <laughs> <laughs> what? Handicapped people that can't go to gym class? <laughs> um, I would say – People who are self-centered, that annoys me. Hypocritical is up there. That bothers me a little bit. People, you know what? I would say that's probably my like number six would be people who can't, people with no self-control. Like they can't control themselves. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people, and there's like a free sample out at a Costco or a grocery <laughs> store and everybody's lined up around this damn thing like they've never had food before. I just, that drives me crazy and I just want to, oh. Those people, I hate all of them. Like, no <laughs> self-control. Yeah, I can't stand those people. But you know what? At the same time, like, I want that damn free sample. <laughs> I, I say that, and uh, I I mean, I'll peek in every now and again. Now, I don't eat, like, anything that's cooked. But, like, if it's, like, a, a smoothie or something, maybe a little dessert, I'll get in there. Why not? Why can't you eat something that's cooked? I just, it's weird to me, like, you know, like, they bring out, like... A pizza, right? And they cut it into those little squares. Yeah. And, like, everyone's just breathing on it and shit. And, like, you know, like, which piece do I want? Like, at least I know, like, if it's in a cup, like, I can just get it handed to me. Or, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just weird. It's one of my pet peeves. Wow. That's. You <laughs> I'm going to go grab those tissues now. You can't handle. You can't handle hot free samples? Is that what you're basically <laughs> telling me? Okay, now of all the qualities, just list off all your bad qualities. Oh man, well, it, I you know in terms of like my top five, I would say maybe the only one that I'm I might exhibit some is closed mindedness in terms of like I'm a creature of habit and I like like what I you know like my routine, and I'll admit that sometimes when there's you know something new to do or or, or a new adventure that awaits. It takes a lot for me to uh, to do it. Like I, I really just want to say no. I just want to sit here and watch NASCAR all day. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. We want to hear what you guys think about the interview with Dirk Collins. What are some of the things that you're really passionate about? 
and that you will kind of pursue no matter what. Like, yeah, there's risk involved. Yeah, there's, it's really difficult to do, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. We want to hear what your guys' experience are with, with things like that. And we'd also love to hear what you guys think are some of the worst qualities that people can have. We have our social media accounts. That's a great way to connect with us. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have our website, ProfoundlyPointless.com. We love hearing from you guys. It's really interesting to see some of the comments, and we're starting to get more and more of them. So we continue to want to make that more and more a part of this show, assuming that John Shaw continues doing what he's doing. I'm going to give it a 60% chance. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.